the time is 4.03. You're tuned to KDNK. My name is Raleigh Burley, and this is Everything Under the Sun, your weekly Sopra Sun show. Today we have two very important guests, House District 57 Representative Perry Will, who is running for re-election, and his Democratic challenger Elizabeth Velasco. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So we don't have a lot of time, and I have a number of questions. I think we could just jump right in. Um, I'm going to time these out, and you'll have two minutes for each of them. Um, but for this first one, we'll just give you one minute each to do a brief introduction about who you are, a little bit of your experience um, if for people who may not know you. Um, and we'll start with you, Elizabeth. One minute on the clock. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm Elizabeth Velasco, and I'm running for House District 57 as the Democratic candidate. And this is a new district. It goes from Parachute all the way to Aspen. And, you know, this is where we play. This is where we work. Uh, so I'm very excited for this new district. I am a small business owner, a wildland firefighter, and I really care about supporting our working families in the district. Uh, you know, I bring my lived experience. Uh, I went through the immigration process for 26 years before becoming a U.S. citizen. So I am a very proud American. I am, um, you know, very, uh, very proud to have grown up here in this country. And I know that this country offers opportunity. And I think that that's what I want people to have, um, you know, for everyone to be able to change their circumstances. And for everyone to have access to resources, you know, like great education, no matter where you live. Thank you, um, And I know that we are stronger together. Thank you. And uh, same question for you, Perry Well. Thank you. And, and again, thanks, thanks for having us. And, and for all the listeners out there, let me, let me state that I love representing House District 57. And that used to be, Elizabeth alluded to it, it's, a new, it's kind of a new district, but after redistricting, but I had Moffat, Rio Blanco, and all of Garfield counties, all three of those counties, and now 57 is all of Garfield, mm-hmm. all of Pitkin, and the Roaring Fork side of, of Eagle County. So I've, I've been in the legislature four years. I love representing the people. I love what I do over there. I stand for, uh, I stick up for our communities, our rural way of life. i am uh, spent, you know, 43 years with the Division of Wildlife and then CPW, Conrad Parks and Wildlife, as a wildlife officer in this uh, in this area, so I'm quite familiar with the area, and uh, I I strive to uh, maintain our way of life, and you know, kind of my uh, campaign platform and is that I uh, I represent all the reasons people choose to live here, and that's from that's from our national forests, our public lands, access, mm-hmm. water, rivers, fisheries wildlife, ranching, agriculture, the whole gamut, you know, from uh, from our recreational side of things. To thank you, Perry. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, we're just going to need to stick to the clock just so okay. we can get through a few questions. It's uh, We're a little squeezed for time. Um, but getting into this next one, you'll each have two minutes on this next one. Uh, what are specific challenges you see ahead for House District 57 that most concern you? And uh, what are some ideas or strategies you bring to the office to address those? And uh, we'll start with you this time, Perry. Okay, thank you. So I, I think really my top three is uh, public safety, education, and affordability. So I think uh, school choice, uh, parents allowed to be uh, 
very involved in the education of their children, and that means school choice. I, I fight hard for our rural schools and funding for our rural schools. And I, uh, from a public safety standpoint, um, I think we've seen what uh, some failed policies have happened um, across this state and across this nation with uh, reducing public safety, like defunding the police and all that. So I stick up, really stick up for public safety. And I think, you know, everyone has to feel safe when you, when you walk out of your door or whatever, you know, you have to, you have to feel safe. And then affordability, you know, inflation, it's for hardworking families here. It's tough. You know, most people live paycheck to paycheck. They're concerned about heating their homes. They're concerned about putting food on the table for their kids and uh, gasoline in their car to go to work or their uh, diesel fuel or gasoline, whatever it is, for their work trucks, et cetera. And so affordability is a huge thing. We need to address those issues across the state. With inflation the way Colorado is right now, um, you know, basically you're, you're spending about a month your salary per year on inflation, even over that. So it, it's, uh, it's hitting home. People are feeling it. And uh, part of my deal is protect what we have over there and protect good jobs and good paying jobs in our rural communities. That's huge. Uh, housing, I ran, uh, I ran four different bills on affordable housing. As you know, the workforce is a huge issue in House District 57, and uh, addressing some of the housing issues and affordable housing. So that's where, that's where I strive to keep our working families doing well. Thank you very much, Perry Will. And uh, same question to you, Elizabeth. Challenges you see and uh, things that you might have in mind to address those. Yeah, so for me, number one is community resiliency. And to me, that includes protecting our forests, uh, protecting the watershed, making sure we have firewise communities that we have, um, that we can fireproof our homes, that we have great communication across um, the district to people so that we're all safe. And I know this firsthand from, um, you know, being under pre-evacuation order during the Grizzly Creek fire and then um, jumping in as a uh, public information officer. And the second thing for me is uh, protecting and supporting our working families. We know that we're feeling the pressure. We know that everything's expensive. We know that, um, you know, sometimes we have to pay to work two or three jobs to pay rent. And I know this also firsthand, you know, I've experienced uh, housing insecurity. Um, and even during the pandemic, you know, I was at the food distribution centers. I was connecting people to resources like rent assistance and food assistance and helping with contact tracing. And I know that we are, you know, recovering from a pandemic and also uh, access to health care. And we know that reproductive rights are on the line, that we must make sure that everyone um, can make their own decisions with their doctors without the government uh, interference. So those are the three main things. And I think that we are feeling really energized and we're feeling really strong. And we, you know, I want to ask people to come out and drop off your ballots, uh, make sure that you're voting and um, because we, we have to show up in, on November 8th. All right. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Um, so... Next question, uh, and you'll be able to answer this one first, Elizabeth. Um, 
What is something that you admire about your political opponent? And is there anything that you have learned throughout this election process that will help you, if elected, better represent the district? Yeah, I really admire uh, my opponent's service, you know, to the community. He He's a public servant. He has served our community for a long time. Um, so I really appreciate that of, of him. Um, I know that... Um, you know, we need all perspectives. We need to work together. We need to to listen to everyone. We have a very diverse community. We have, um, you know, we are ranching community. We do. Um, we're also really progressive on uh, clean energy. We have the tourism industry, so we we must make sure that we have all the, all you know, all the voices at the table, and that we are collaborating and really bringing community's voice to the capital. Um, because, you know, we are the experts on ourselves, mm-hmm. and I really uh, appreciate that we are not career politicians. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, same question for you. Well, uh, let me start with just saying I, I, I admire Elizabeth for stepping up, and uh, I think that's important. It's, you know, it's government um, by the people for the people. And, you know, she spoke about perspective and <clears throat> having a West Slope perspective, and I've had it said to me at the Capitol from both sides of the aisle, that when I got there, they said, Perry, you bring a perspective that has been much needed here. Mm-hmm. So I understand the perspective side of that because we do live over here. They, most people don't understand the Western Slope. You know, 75% of the population of the state lives within 25 miles of I-25. And that's so apparent when you're there because half, even half of the legislators, I think, think uh, Colorado ends at Vail, Right. There's a there's a lot of a lot of Colorado going on towards the Utah line west of that right and we all know that so uh, bringing that bringing that perspective and so I I uh, I think it's um, imperative that we bring that voice and it's a rural voice to the legislature because I all the time I'm over there saying that doesn't work for my people that does not work for my constituents. And sometimes it's just we were talking about affordability in, in, in housing, affordability and fuel costs and those type of things. Uh, here in rural areas, we drive a lot, right? And it, so it costs more. It's just, it's just a different, uh, different mindset when you're in these, these uh, communities like this. All right. Thank you both. Um, during the Club 20 debate in September, uh, Representative Perry Will was asked about his vote against HB 1279, codifying abortion rights in the state and the Reproductive Health Equity Act. Uh, his response was that it, quote, went too far. In the same debate, he said the overturning of Roe versus Wade has, quote, been made into a huge issue and abortion rights are not going away. As of mid-October, however, 13 states have banned abortions. Um, Please clarify in detail your stance on a woman's right to choose and medical choice in general. And we'll start with you very well. Thank you. And, and, and thank you for bringing that, that up because of the Club 20 debate. So obviously I, I stick up for women's reproductive right. I, that, that's a given. Um, you know, I, and I think I said during the debate, the Roe versus Wade. So let me be very clear. I will never vote to get rid of abortion. Okay. And I know that's the concern. Uh, Colorado was one of the first states to make it legal, and I think Roe versus Wade was in 1967 or whatever. I forget the dates. Um, but it's legal in this state. 
and when I said it went too far, is is that in in House Bill twelve seventy nine, you can abort a baby, clear up to its due date, and I'm sorry, but I just don't agree with that. Um, that's why I, that's what I meant when I said it goes too far. Um, you know it, that those are tough issues, and everyone has nuances of their different challenges and all that. I get that, and I, and I think it's between the, the uh, between the, the the person and her doctor and her significant other or husband or whatever it may be. Right? I think those are the and the clergy. You know, depending on where you're at with that. I think those are the those are the issues that's uh, at stake there. And I I'm, I want to I want to be very clear that I'm not anti-abortion, but I did vote against that bill. And if I had the opportunity to vote against it again in the same form with no amendments to it like it is, where you can abort in the birth canal or on due date, I would vote no again. But I'm not uh, I'm not against, you know, I'm not saying if it came up Roe versus Wade and say well, it's totally illegal to get abortions in this state, I would vote no. I don't want to do that. Thank you for clarifying that yep. position. Um and now for you, Elizabeth, same question. Um, please clarify your detailed stance on uh, women's right to choose and medical choice in general. Yeah, you know, I'm the only woman in this race. And I know that we, we see a lot of attacks on women. And we see that we are regulating women's bodies. And we are regulating um, people who are able to, to get pregnant bodies. And here in a rural community, we have still a lot of barriers to access to healthcare, from limited providers to having to drive really far away to get care, to um, you know not having language access, to um, not having um, you know these are all the issues that we have, and we know that we have to make sure that we keep removing barriers of access for our community. And I will. Of course, I am, um, you know, pro-access to abortion, uh, pro-reproductive rights for working families. And I am the the only candidate who is endorsed by Cobalt, by Color, by the Blue Flower Fund, by uh, all these organizations who are working really hard to make sure that uh, abortion access is available in our state. And I know that we have to continue leading because we are that island in the desert. A lot of the states around us don't have access to abortion. So we are seeing that people are coming to us for support. So I look forward to to supporting uh, pregnant people and, and our rural community to make sure that we have access to quality care for women and, and families. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the, the rural part of that because access to rural care is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anybody who's just now tuning in, this is Everything Under the Sun on KDNK. I'm your host, Raleigh Burley, and joining me today, House District 57 Representative Perry Will and his Democratic challenger, Elizabeth Velasco. Uh, thank you both so much for taking the time. I know we're getting real close to Election Day, and you're probably both very busy and very much looking forward to having campaigning behind you. <laughs> and <laughs> appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. Um, Absolutely. So, Let's talk about water next. Uh, obviously, the situation is dire on the Colorado River. What measures do you support for curtailing usage, and what kinds of initiatives would you challenge on behalf of House District 57? And we'll start with you, Elizabeth. Yeah, you know, there 
this is a huge issue for our community uh, from the federal level. You know, we don't want the federal government to come and tell us what to do with our water. We This is something that we can regulate in the state. And we have to make sure that we hold the states around us accountable, like California and Arizona, who have not stayed within their water usage. And also, we have to look at it, uh, you know, from our neighbor's perspective, because when I'm out door knocking, I've talked to people who told me my water comes from a well. The well is dry. I have to haul water to my home every day. And I talk to people in mobile home parks who have red water coming out of their faucet, who don't have access to potable water. So this issue is definitely a very... um, a, a difficult issue, but I look forward to leading the way because we are the experts here in our rural community, and we have to make sure that we are pushing for better solutions and that we don't leave anyone behind, that we are supporting our ranchers, that we're supporting uh, our mobile homeowners or homeowners and or even our water infrastructure. And, you know, also with fire mitigation, we protect our watersheds because even during the Grizzly Creek fire, we saw that that was a huge issue with, with the burn scar, um, you know, that then affected the quality of water for silt. So these, all of these issues are interconnected, they're intersectional, and I, I bring a new perspective and I, I want to make sure that we are uh, not only looking at it from the, from the top and from the global view, but we're also taking care of our families here in the district. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Perry Will? Thank you. And from a water perspective, I mean, obviously we're a headwater state, right? Everyone looks to Colorado. When we talk about the lower basin states and their uses, usage, uh, we need to get a handle on that. And also, I t- I'm going to talk about forest health. I say all the time, I'm on the, uh, the Wildfire Matters Committee mm-hmm. over to Capitol, and the Energy and Environment, Ag, Livestock, and Water Committee. I won't go through all my committees, but uh, th- these issues come up all the time. And, you know, there's 600,000 acre feet of water go through those trans mountain diversions going to the east slope mm-hmm. every year. 600,000 acre feet. So, I mean, we, we've got to limit growth on the front range. And one way of doing that is with water. They just can't take any more of the water. And especially with, uh, with the climate change and, you know, our snowpack. But creating, I say all the time, there's no better reservoir. We talk about we need to build more reservoirs. There's no better reservoir than a healthy forest. And you, when you get these big mega fires and these burns, then it doesn't hold the snowpack. It comes off so much faster, right? So healthy forest is, is huge. We need to. We really need to uh, dial in on uh, taking care of our forests. We really do. The, the water situation, like demand management, we've, we've heard about that. That's um, th- there's several different strategies that everyone's looking at. We've been spending a lot of money on funding the water plan, right? And th- that's uh, that's paying dividends, but at the same time, we still we still need the snow. We need the moisture. Thank God we've been getting what we've been getting. This is awesome. Uh, but you know, solving it, praying for snow is not going to solve our issue, right? So we have to. Uh, there's there's all kinds of strategies that are in place that are being talked about that will help with the water situation by and large. I mean, because look at the recreation that we have here, just in this valley, the fishing, all that, and in the fisheries resource. That's my background. I want to stick up for that. But we, it's, uh, we can really do some good things with water. 
Thank you very much. And water conservation. All right. We have time for, I think, two, one more question um, and then probably closing statements. So uh, House District 57 is changing. In what ways do you see the district changing, and what prepares you to represent the historic character of the district while adapting to those changes? And we'll go for you first, Elizabeth, or Perry, I think. It's your turn to start. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I spoke to it earlier that the district has changed by, by two counties, right? But um, it's, it's the same people with the same issues, right? We have, It's really no different if you're in Moffat County or other than there's not much of a coal industry left in House District 57 as it is now. But uh, the issues was good good jobs and those housing, everything, it's all, it's all the same. The water issues are the same. So I don't, it's di- different people, kind of the same, same issues. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I look forward to representing House District 57 because this is, this is my old area, right, when I was with uh, DOW and CPW. So I know it well. I know I know the drainages. I know the people, and I tell you, I I ride for the brand, and that brand is House District Fifty Seven. So I I maintaining our way of life and also maintaining our Western heritage. I um, I do that a lot, and I'm very involved with uh, rodeos and snow mass and here in Carbondale. So uh, maintaining that, but at the same time understanding there's new challenges. And uh, and new people, obviously, every day in our area. So, transportation. I just passed uh, House Bill or Senate Bill uh, One Fifty One for safe passages, and that's for wildlife crossings on our highways. I'm very proud of that bill, and I think uh, obviously the Roaring Fork Valley here needs those kind of underpasses and overpasses. I'm very very happy for sponsoring those type of bills. That helps our wildlife as well as the safety of our motoring public. All right, thank you. And uh, Elizabeth, same question: In what ways do you see the district changing, and what prepares you to represent the history as well as adapt? Yeah, you know, I I've been in our community for twenty years, and I remember um, that during the summer I used to have to wear a sweater all the time because it was cold <laughs> during the summer, and now we're getting. Um, temperatures over 100 degrees. So when we, of course, that, you know, that diversity of our district is changing, but I also see that our climate is changing. And I know that we have to to adapt. You know, we have to make sure that we don't leave anyone behind, that everyone is safe, that we all have access to opportunities and resources. Um, I also see that our students, um, you know, have different opportunities depending where they live, that uh, we have uh, communities where we have school uh, week that's four days, and sc- we have other school districts where we, they have five days school week, and that uh, we also, you know, have the teachers who are getting paid ten thousand dollars more if they work at the school district uh, neighboring where they live. So I think that you know there's a lot of challenges for working families. I think that. We work so hard, you know, our working families work really hard to make ends meet. And it, right now it just feels uh, like it's harder than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we need new ideas, that we need progressive ideas. I also see our state leading the way in clean energy. So I know that we are entrepreneurs, that we are 
you know, we have a lot of small businesses. We are uh, diversifying our economy, and I know that uh, we we're going to keep thriving. But we need uh, to make sure that you know we're supporting working families. All right. We do have some Bronco babblers outside the studio, um, so let's just take one minute each and do a closing statement, and uh, we'll begin with you this time, Elizabeth. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having us, and you know, to everyone listening, I, I want to ask for your vote. I want to ask for your your time, your your treasure. If you're able to donate or if you're able to volunteer, we're outdoor knocking and phone banking. We want to reach out to people. We're engaging people. You know, my goal is to expand the electorate, to make sure people are engaged and, you know, that we have people who represent us, that have our values, that are going to fight for us. And uh, I look forward to doing that. And um, so please vote for me. (laughs) You have until November 8th. Um, And yeah, thank you so much. All right. And mine's about the same. Please, please honor me with your vote. Um, you know, I've been I've been there four years. I uh, I'm a very bipartisan legislator. I've been uh, last year at the end of the session. I was voted by Colorado Politics as the most bipartisan legislator over there. Some people say, well, you know, like the media will say, well, you voted with the Democrats. No, I voted for bills that help the people I represent, my constituency. So, and that, that's, that's the situation. I will tell you this, uh, I've developed great relationships with the people over there uh, in all aspects of the legislature. Uh, I don't keep track of the data like this, but some people do. I was told here about a month and a half ago after session, end of session, but I was told about a month and a half ago, said, Perry, if you're a prime sponsor on a bill, it has six times the chance of passing. So I ride for the brand. That brand's House District 57. Please vote Perry Will. Well, I just want to thank you both one more time. Uh, what fantastic people you are stepping up and uh, willing to offer this community service and uh, make our democracy function. So yep. thank you both. Thank, thank you. you.